several weeks ago, we began a series called Pulling Back the Curtain. And what, that's, what that God, I believe, wants to show us and do for us and with us is to awaken us that, to change our perspective. Uh, I've been reading a book on, uh, several books on vision and, and, and getting unstuck as we all get stuck and I can get stuck in things sometimes. And, um, and he talks about the, how important it is to have a vision for your life and to have a vision for the church, a vision for everything, for your family. And in there he talks about that the way you do that is by changing your, your paradigm, your, your world view and understanding what God see, how God sees your world and your life, not how you see it. So to do that, we realize the Bible teaches us that there's a reality that, we are, that affects our lives all the time that's outside the borders of our five senses. We live most of our lives, the majority of our lives, and probably even more than that, of our lives within the boundaries and the walls of our five senses. We call it this natural world. It's, it's the world that you see, the world that you hear. It's the science and the, and the theology and the, and, the, and the philosophies of this world are all within the realm of human reason and the realm of, of human senses. But the Bible tells us that beyond the walls of that, beyond the borders of that, beyond the curtain of that, is a reality that's out there that's called the spirit realm. And that reality has a direct impact on the world that we're living in and the lives that we're leading. And we talked in the beginning that we're living in a time that's, that, that may be unlike any other time, but certainly in our lifetime, our perspective, it's crazy. And I told you that I've got neighbors and people I've run into that, that some of them that aren't even Christians that come, what's going on? Because they know I'm a pastor. It's crazy out there. So the world's recognizing it's crazy, let alone the church. But the problem is the church... God's people function in, the, in this craziness with the same perspective that the world functions in it. And yet the Bible teaches us that there is behind this curtain spiritual beings, spiritual forces that are interacting with and controlling much of what is going on. And in fact, if you look at what's going on in the world today, it is really part of, of a drama, a spiritual drama that's been laid out in the scriptures for thousands of years of what's going on. And it's going on between Satan and between God's kingdom. And we are kind of like the puppets in, in this. But that doesn't make, mean that we're powerless. So it's very important to understand this. And so last week we looked at this, how does this impact us? In what areas does it impact us? And we looked at it impact us from the point of view of eternity. That eternity is what's on the other side of the curtain. So the image that we're going to use today and in this series is the, ba- the borders of this life that we live, we're going to call a curtain. If you've ever gone to a theater or something like that and you see, you know, there's activity going on behind there and then the curtain comes up and now you can see the stage. But there's a curtain behind that curtain where there's all kinds of things going on you don't see. There are ropes and pulleys and weights and things and actors waiting to come on the stage and actors that have left. And so life is like a stage, but there's a curtain behind it where there's all kinds of activity that's behind the scenes and it affects our life 
dramatically. So we need to, first of all, be aware of it and then understand how we are to interact with that. So last week we talked about behind this curtain is eternity and your understanding of eternity and your, and your relationship with God through Christ determines how that eternity should impact you. But today we're going to look at it from another point of view. We're going to look at it from the terms of how does what's behind that curtain affect our prayers and our prayer life. So to do that, let's give you a little bit of background here, a little bit of setting the scene, and then we will um, get into some scriptures and see what the Bible says about this. So prayer, which is what most of us do, without an understanding of the reality that is in the spirit realm. So when we're praying, without, without an awareness of what's behind the curtain, when we're praying like that, without an awareness of how God intends our prayers to affect what's behind the curtain, our prayers become a duty, a burden, and an obligation. So we pray because we know we're supposed to. We pray because we see some situation and we feel, I ought to pray about that. But when you're praying out of a sense of duty, there's no life in it. And we eventually get weary of doing things just out of duty, and so we eventually just kind of quit, or we just go through the motions. The other aspect of not understanding how our prayers are intended by God to affect what's behind the curtain is that we, when we don't see results quickly, we become discouraged, and then we become weary. When they train boxers, the fighters... They, they trained them, in fact, when I was growing up, my father had some, my grandfather had somebody that worked for him that had been a golden glove boxer in the army. And, and it wasn't his job, but, but he started teaching me how to box. Not that I ever learned it very well, but I learned one of the principles he taught me. He said, if you're a boxer and you're, you're, and you're you can, even no matter how strong they are, they become weary when you're throwing punches that don't hit anything you become weary, your arms become weary, and they start to come down slowly. And as the boxer's arms become tired from throwing punches that don't hit anything, and he begins to lower his arms, his face becomes vulnerable to his opponent. And that's what happens in our prayer life. Our prayers are like punches at the circumstances. And when we don't see results where we're not having any impact, then we begin to become tired. We may still throw the punches, but slowly we're lowering our defenses and becoming vulnerable to our enemy who we can't see to take us out. But here's the other thing he taught me. But when a boxer's getting tired and he actually hits his opponent... It energizes him. And now the the adrenaline starts running and he now hits harder and he hits more effectively because his punches are starting to land. So as we learn why our prayers have not been working, as we begin to learn what's God's purpose for our prayers for behind the curtain, then we'll find we're beginning to get more results and we begin to get more energy, because this is not a 10-round or a 15-round bout we're in. 
this is the rest of your life. And it's not the rest of your, just the rest of your life. It's the rest of the lives of everybody God intends our prayers to affect. So there's much at stake. And this is the whole message is there's so much at stake in learning to have a perspective that looks behind the curtain and understands what's going on behind the curtain. So that's what we're going to look at today. If what is really going on behind the curtain limits our senses in this world, has such an impact on our world and our lives, then only the awareness, in other words, of where we are now, just trying to pray and fight on this side of the curtain, without an awareness of what's on the other side, we get tired. But as we begin to look behind the curtain and see what's going on on the other side and what God's purpose for our prayers are, we begin to become energized and we begin to become focused. Because we need to understand what's on the other side of this curtain so we know how to pray and what to pray. But what's go- if what's going on in the world today and if what's going on in my- our lives today is being influenced and in some cases controlled by what's going on behind the curtain, then we need to learn how to affect what's going on behind the curtain. We looked at before, we'll look at today. We generally try to fight the issues in our life by things in this world instead of using supernatural weapons. But what we need in those situations in your family, what we need in those situations where you have relatives that are lost where you're a situation in your workplace where there's turmoil and there's strife or there's, there's persecution against you. What we need in this world today is God's supernatural power at work at what's going on behind the curtain. And prayer is what God has ordained, one of the vehicles God has ordained to reach behind the curtain and bring His power his wisdom, and His ability to bear on the source of what we're going through, not the symptoms of what we're going through. If you have a temperature and you go to see your doctor, they take your temperature and suppose you've got a temperature of 102. They don't treat the temperature. They don't fight the temperature. They want to know what's cause the temperature. And most of our time, we're dealing with the symptoms of what's going wrong and not the source of what's going on because in many times, it's what's behind the curtain. So let's take a look. This is why prayer is so vital and it's why it's opposed so much by our enemy because only prayer can reach behind the curtain. Prayer releases God with His supernatural power and wisdom against the source of the problem that exists behind the curtain. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, walk here refers to how we conduct our life, not just how you got from the back of the church to the front. Though we walk in the flesh, though we're living our life in this flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Unfortunately, most of us do. 
Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare, the weapons that God has given us, are not carnal. They're not of this world. They're not of man's intelligence. They're not of the strength of our mind. They're not of the strength of our emotions. They're not of this world, but they're mighty in God for pulling down these strongholds. So God has given us spiritual weapons that reach behind the curtain with His power, but they're not of our flesh. Satan, so often in these difficult situations, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your children, he wants to get our flesh stirred up. So he'll poke you, or he'll get your wife to poke you, or your husband to poke you. Something comes along and attacks your emotions, attacks your flesh. Because if you're not matured, your flesh will react back. Kind of like the guy that cuts you off on your way to church and wants to express his praise to the Lord with one finger in the air. And you get mad and honk your horn back at him, or you return the blessing. You've been poked in your flesh by your enemy, and you fought back in your flesh. I have this problem in my flesh with drivers that get in front of me, especially when we're late to church. I don't mind obeying the speed limit, that's what they should do. But they put a decimal point somewhere between that three and that five. And I can feel myself getting upset. And then they may pull off, but I deal with that in me. I don't let that anger sit in me. But I repent of it. Because I understand there's something spiritual going on. Satan's trying to sow into my heart anger. Even though it's a little thing and the guy's long gone and I forgot, but there's a seed of anger in my heart because I'm looking behind the curtain. What's going on here? And so I repent of my anger. Even though I may have never said anything to anybody, I know that's what was sown into my heart. And I forgive them, and I pray for them. And that pulls the seed up. Because there's something going on behind the curtain that's trying to get at me and get in my heart. But the weapons that God's given to us are not carnal. So let's go to, um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We started with this verse last week. I'm going to read a little bit here because I want you to see the context. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So His might is available to us to deal with what's behind the curtain. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the deceits of the devil. We'll just keep moving along here. Therefore, for we don't wrestle with flesh against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. So what Paul's talking about here, which we talked about several weeks ago, is the war, there's a war going on, and you're, you're a participant in the war. But the war is not a physical war, it's a war behind the curtain. And he's going to tell us here the armor of God to wear in this battle. We're not going to spend time on it, we're going to read through it, because I want you to see the context. Verse 12, okay, verse 13. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith which which you're able to quench the fiery, fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We'll come back to this in a few minutes, which is the Word of God. Verse 18 is what I want to get you for. Praying always with all prayer. So the context for verse 18 here is praying always with all prayer is we're in a spiritual war. So the armor of God is to prepare you to be for this spiritual war. But the war is fought with prayer. Because prayer reaches behind the curtain. So the context here is a spiritual battle fought with prayer. Fought by prayer. Notice he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. His power and His might doesn't flow through your flesh. It flows through your spirit. Hebrews 1 verse 14. Now, the background here is the writer of Hebrews is trying to correct an attitude that had reached, was starting to show up among Jewish believers, people that had been born as Jews and been saved. And and they're being pressured to take back some of the Jewish practices. And, And the writer of Hebrews, which many believe was Paul, starts, it's a series of comparisons of different things they believe in with Christ. And he starts with angels. This is where the angels are, but then he compares the angels to Christ. That's what most of the first chapter is about. He ends this chapter by talking about these angels, although they're not the same as Christ, but they are important. He says, "Are are they not all ministering, that word means serving, spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Who's he talking about? You and me. So the angels are sent for spiritual beings behind that curtain. They're not all demonic. In fact, only one-third of the angels was kicked out of heaven. That means two-thirds of them are there for our help and benefit. This room right now has angels in it. And they're here for your benefit. Some of them are trying to keep the demons away from you so you can hear the message. Because I'm not saying there are any demons in here, but they don't want you to hear this message. My wife was telling me before we came, she says, I really don't feel like going to church today. I said, that's a sure reason you need to go. Someone's trying to keep you from hearing what God wants to say to you. And this is why having the habit of coming to church is so critical because it becomes your default position when you don't want to. Can I tell you a secret if you promise not to tell anybody? This is just between us, okay? There are days I don't want to come to church. There are Sundays I don't want to come. But I don't just come because it's my job. I did that for 15 years before it was my job I came here to church. It was not 15 years, it was 10. It's a habit. 
Because Satan does not want you to hear the word of God. So even when you're here, he wants to distract you. All right, we better move on. (laughs) Because there's a spiritual battle going on when God's word is being ministered. Because God knows how Christ wants to sow it into our hearts because it becomes a seed in your heart. But the devil knows that and so he wants to distract that seed, you, so that that seed will not get in your heart. Because if it gets in your heart and germinates, there's nothing he can do about it. He's very intimidated by what's going on right now. Let's look at, um, let's look at Daniel chapter 10. We're going to look at an example of this. Daniel was a great prophet of God. It was a time when Israel had been taken into captivity. And I don't want to go over, but they were taken in captivity because they had backslidden and they wouldn't respond to the prophets that God sent. So God ordained the nation of Babylon to come and to take them into captivity for a period of time. And it was, it was a time really of cleansing within, the, within the, Israel because then what happened is at the end of this time, which was essentially two generations, they were allowed to go back, those that wanted to go back, and, and only a remnant of them came back. And it was God's way of sorting out who really wanted to serve Him from who didn't. And so the, the, what's going I, I believe to some degree that's what COVID did. Because when COVID hit, we all had an excuse not to come to church. Now that it's lifting, the people that come back are those that want to come back. And I'm not just talking about physically back. I'm talking about not doing other things on Sunday morning. And so Daniel has begun to seek God to find out. So they're in captivity now to seek God to find out how long is this going to last. Because there were prophets that had spoken... It's not going to be long, just like there were prophets that spoke that COVID wouldn't be very long. Got to be careful who you listen to. And so Daniel sets himself to hear from God how long this is going to be. So we're going to take a look at what went on, because his prayer was not answered right away. Let's look at it. Suddenly a hand touched me and made me tremble on my knees. So he's praying. Actually, he had fasted good food. We call it Daniel fast now. He was eating basically vegetables and drinking water. So it wasn't a total fast. He was doing this for three weeks and no, no answer. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand up right. For I have, been, I have been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Isn't it interesting? We sang about the holiness of God this morning. But if God's holiness showed up, none of us could stand. Every time God shows up or one of his angels shows up in the Bible, people go flat on their face. Not because anybody makes them. There's no usher doing that. In the glory of God, the presence of God, our unrighteousness, even though we're saved, the, 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 the frailty of our flesh in the presence of His glory or the glory of His angels, we just collapse. And every time that happens, God has to get them to stand up. I, uh, as I, and while He was speaking this, this word to me, I stood trembling. Verse 12. 
And he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. Look at this. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself, your words were heard. Now we're talking about prayer that goes behind the curtain and we don't see what happens with that prayer. We just react to what we see on this side of the curtain. And this first thing this angel is telling him, the very moment you spoke, you were heard. Know what Jesus said at the tomb of Lazarus, John 11? Father, I'm going to pray this out loud this time. This is kind of my loose translation of it. For their benefit. Because I know that you always hear me when I pray. I know you always hear me when I pray. Jesus said, for us, Whatsoever things you ask in my name, I will do it. When you come to God in His name, and you're serious about it, He hears you. Your words go behind the curtain. Your words were heard, and then look at this. And I have come because God wanted to do something. No, I've come because of your words. I was sent out from behind the curtain to you here because of your words. Verse 13. But here's the problem. So I was sent when you asked 21 days ago. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. That's a demon over the area of Persia. Withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael... One of the chief princes, he's an archangel actually, came to help me for, if I, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This is all behind the curtain. So over principalities, over Persia, there was a king, but there were spirits over that king. And this angel is saying to him, when I came to speak to you and show up here, those principalities withstood me in answering your prayer. So there was a warfare going on for that answer to get through. But notice Daniel didn't give up. Daniel didn't say after one day, two days, three days, I guess God doesn't hear me, there's something wrong with me. He persisted in his prayers. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days to come. And I believe it's where we are now. So I wanted you to see that insight behind the curtain when he prayed, when we pray. Now, here's the Psalm 103, 20. Excuse me, I'm getting ahead. Ephesians 6, 17. This is part of our prayer warfare. Praying God's Word, when you're praying, praying God's Word does two things. First of all, you know you're praying the will of God. And we know this, because 1 John 5.14 says, if you ask anything according to my will, you know I, He hears you. So if we're praying His word, we know it has to be His will, so we know He has to hear us, because He said so. When we pray God's word, uh, we pray God's word, we, we are releasing the anointing of that word into that situation. So this is again part of the, the armor. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword 
of the Spirit. So the battle is a spiritual battle, and this is a capital S, the Spirit of God, the, sp- the sword of the Spirit, the weapon that the Spirit of God uses to fight the battle behind the curtain is what? Is the Word of God. So when you pray the Word of God into that situation, the Spirit of God empowers the angels, pick up their sword, and they go to battle for you. But if what the words that come out of your mouth are not the words of God, but the words of your flesh, is it possible you're empowering your enemy to fight against you? See, words are powerful. Words empower behind that curtain. God's word from our lips empowers behind that curtain. But the word Satan wants you speaking empowers spiritual forces behind that curtain. We don't have to be afraid of what we're saying, but we have to be careful and judicious of the word. You do not understand the position God's put you in as a human being and the power of words because God gave that first man, a woman, authority over this realm. And God never took it back just because he gave it to Satan. And the proof that God never took it back is God had to send His only Son to win it back for us. So those of us who are in Christ now have the same authority that Christ had that He won back for us. And that authority has been given to the church and it's exercised in prayer. I think it's John Wesley, some great Christian leader that lived years ago, and I think it was John Wesley said, it almost seems as if nothing can happen until we pray. And that would explain why. God needs us to release His power behind the curtain because we're the ones God has put in responsibility here over the earth. But here's the problem. Because we're dealing with something going on behind a curtain that we can't see with our eyes and we can't hear with our ears, it requires faith to stand firm. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, look at this, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, when you're dealing with things that are in this physical, natural realm, the evidence that it's working is you can see it or you can feel it. So when you started your car this morning, whether you have a key or something in your pocket, and you push the button, turn the dial, the evidence that that worked is you heard the engine start, you saw the lights come on, so you had physical confirmation that what you did worked. But by the very essence of what we're doing, we're doing things in this realm, we're speaking words, we're talking to God in this realm, but it's having an effect behind a curtain where we can't see. So we need some evidence that what we've asked is working behind the curtain because it's not seen and that evidence is faith. Faith takes the place of physical evidence because what does physical evidence do? It gives you an assurance that something's happening, an assurance that you're getting results. And since you can't see behind that curtain, faith is what gives you that assurance that what you prayed is being heard and it's at work behind that curtain where you, can't, where you can't see it. 
This is good. This is even if I say so myself. This is why Jesus says, Mark, Mark 11, 24. Jesus had just told them something absolutely incredible. They had seen him speak to a fig tree. And he didn't jump up and down and shout. And didn't go, he just said, may no man eat fruit of you anymore. And he walks on. And the next morning they're walking and they walk past the fig tree and it's withered up from the roots. I mean, it's, it is over, dried up and gone. And Jesus doesn't walk by and say, whoo, that worked. He knew it worked when he spoke it. So Jesus is walking on by it and Peter's going, whoo, hey, master, come here. Remember what you said yesterday? It worked. Ever pray like this? Oh, God, it worked. <laughs> My prayer worked. <laughs> and Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity. And in verse 23, which they don't have up there, let's see. See, whatsoever, he says, whosoever shall say it, and he picks a mountain. He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, whosoever, not you 12 disciples, whosoever shall say, say, not get on your knees, say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he said shall come to pass. He shall have what he said. So Jesus just opened the door wide in prayer and said, whatever you ask in faith, it's going to get answered. But here's the condition. Whatever things you ask when you pray, on this side of the curtain, you must believe that it's already been answered on the other side of the curtain. We've got to move along. James 5. Confess your faults to one another, trespass to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. He's just talking about healing. This is what I want to give it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man ought to accomplish much. God's expectation, God's design is that our prayers ought to accomplish much. And then to inspire us, James gives us an example. Verse 17. Elijah. Now, we can think of Elijah, and as I was reading through this, I'm thinking, <laughs> it's Elijah, of course. Elijah was, a, but he says he was a man, a human being, of like nature like ours. So he's just as human as you and I are. And he made mistakes too. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. Verse 18. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Uh, we were going to go to the story and, and go through it, but we're running out of time. I just want to summarize for you. They're in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 17.1. You can put that up. Um, Ahab was a terrible king. His wife was the one that controlled him. And, a and Elijah, Elijah was the prophet sent by God to be a thorn in his flesh. And so Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, the king, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew or rain for three years except by my word. We just read that James says that he prayed and it didn't rain. And how did he pray? He declared that it will not rain here except at my word. 
Now over in chapter 18, it's three and a half years later. And now, look, what, what he does is he starts by saying to Elijah, Elijah says to Ahab, nothing's happened. There's no rain in sight. Three and a half years, there's a drought. He says, go up and eat and drink for the sound of the abundance of rain. It's not rain. There's no cloud in the sky. So he's speaking this by faith. Then what he does is he goes up on top of Mount Carmel and he bows down and he's obviously praying. And he tells his servant to go up to the top of the mountain and look to see if there's any rain coming yet. And the servant goes up and comes back and said, I don't see anything different. See, this is where faith is involved. Because he knows that God's going to respond to what he said. So he still continues to pray. It says, go back again. He went back a second time. Comes back, no rain. Third time he sent him. A fourth time he sent him. A fifth time he sent him. A sixth time he sent him. But now, we'd all be scourged and gone home and said, this doesn't work. But Elijah knows that when he speaks in God's name, something's happening behind that curtain. I can't see it. I don't know what it, I don't know how, when, but it's going to happen. So if we've got to do this 150 times, it's coming. So on the seventh time, the servant goes and comes back and says, Master, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah stands up and says, Okay, tell the king to get ready and Eve. Because it's coming. And then it rained. That's the example James uses to teach us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But the reason we struggle is because we're dealing with prayers. All we see, our paradigm, our world of prayers, is that we're throwing something up. I hope something sticks. It's like one of my stepbrothers were growing up. We got egg salad sandwiches one day, and he hated it. So he figured out how to get rid of it. So he threw it up. And it stuck to the ceiling until my mother came in. <laughs> and we hope, hope some of these prayers stick because we're looking at it in terms of this realm and not recognizing that the problem is behind the curtain and God's given us His authority to fight that war. But His angels need you and me to enable them and empower them to fight.